Hello. Good morning. Um, my school got closed today. Ah, how excellent. Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's bad. Oh, okay. Fair enough then. I think I would like it if um, if I um, went went in fifth grade, but not now. Yeah. Hey. Bonjour. <laughs> so, how's everyone's stocks doing? Good, I hope. Oh boy, don't talk to me about stocks. Yeah. I've lost five hundred bucks. Not good. I've lost like. Oh, you don't, don't want to know how much I've lost. It's not good. Just how many digits? Don't say more than four digits. Nah, nah, I'm definitely in the six digits, but that's okay. Oh! Oh, damn. Oh, there was a guy at work. He was like, uh, I was telling you, oh, yeah, I lost 200 bucks last night. And he goes, how do you think I feel? I've lost 30,000. I was just like, fuck. Yeah, well, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't lose them until you sell them. I mean, that's the, that's what you get for yeah. investing. And you know, I sort of have a nice, yeah. broad, diverse range of uh, exchange-traded funds that track, you know, major companies around the world. So I think I'll be just fine. Yeah, I wish I, ju I just wish I bought some volatility index like a week ago. Ah, well, I mean, look. Uh, sort of wild speculation. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You, you can't really sort of pick it. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. It's kind of funny because I actually work at um, this uh, the securities exchange. Oh well, there you go. Well, I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> look, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, people understand that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, if yeah. If well, uh, interesting. yeah. I can't actually buy Australian stocks, but. Oh really? I can do US. Yeah. No, it's just compliance stuff. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Oh, there you go. You would actually... Well, I'm, I'm home uh, for work for quarantine um, for the uh, next 14 days. Yeah, yeah. yeah half so. my office is like... They're, they're doing it in groups. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. It's pretty good, to be honest. Like, I mean, I just came in contact with someone that had been in Korea. So um, they're like, nope, you stay at home. And I was like, alrighty then, I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. if you work at the exchange, like in, on Pitt Street... Uh, it's Bridge Street. Oh, but Pit Bridge Street off Pitt Street, like the ASX building? Yeah, that's it. Oh, there you go. Well, you work literally right next to me. That's as much as I'm allowed to reveal, oh. but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, my office, well, if I was there, it was just off Circular Quay, so there you go. Oh, that's cool. You're, like, right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, so if you, you know, just... Get uh, some lunch. Just, just, just keep an eye out for some nerdy uh, economist type saying, stability and confidence. And you'll be like, hey. yeah, I'll keep an I'll keep an ear out. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, all right. Well, look, we may as well. Uh, actually, has it been up for fifteen minutes yet? Uh, oh, I'm not too keen to. Yeah, I just like this. So yeah, there you go. So compliance, I suppose oh, that kind of makes. Oh man, it's been up for oh, minutes. Oh my goodness, uh, I'm slacking. Yeah, good man. We're just sort of all discussing about how much we've lost in the markets this week. Yeah, it's been a bit of an interesting one, eh? It sure has. Uh, I think yep. the, the ASX just closed down like 7.6% today, so um, that's off the back yep. of the American market down like 5% yesterday. I think it's approaching probably 30% drop now from, from its peak in both markets, right? Yeah. 
What do you think about ScoMo's new like stimulus package that he's trying to do? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's one of those difficult things, right? Because uh, in a many senses, I think he's kind of like politically tied in the sense that he doesn't want to pull a Kevin Rudd because that would make him look extremely yeah. silly by just like giving money directly <laughs> to taxpayers. Um, but in the other sense, I think what he's doing is is probably um, not too silly. I don't know if it's necessarily enough. Uh, I think it's one of those things that if you've got to hit hard, you've got to hit early. Uh, and you've got to, you know, really alleviate it. But I think going after businesses, like, obviously it's a liberal sort of thing, so there's probably maybe a little bit of yeah. political, you know, uh, finagling in there that they, you know, that they're the party of business. Um, but realistically, what he sort of said is right, that it's not just purely a demand side problem like what we had in, um, you know, uh, 2008. So it's not good enough necessarily to just go and give everyone 900 bucks and say, go buy a new TV or, you know, whatever, because there might not actually be new TVs to buy. So, you know, making sure that he will make sure that the economy can continue to operate, making sure that businesses can continue to sort of function um, and just sort of limp or, or tick over, I suppose, I think is going to be the, um, the big thing because uh, probably they're, they're not going to prosper in, in, you know, the next month or two, especially if we sort of do end up like in a situation where we, you know, really have to properly hunker down. But I think it's going to be um, what potentially means that, you know, we can kind of just keep on keep on turning over that's my take on it um i haven't actually done sort of that much uh, research on it because uh, last i sort of saw they were uh they hadn't actually announced officially what it was so i'd need to um actually sort of see exactly where the money's going before i comment on it much beyond that i think it was he was giving 750 dollars to people on new start and age pension. like people on the student yeah the pensioners itself yeah and he was also doing the casual work Casual workers, if they need to stop working, they get paid out. Okay, and I know there was there was something along the lines of um, like upfront um, upfront write-offs for for capital investment and things like that, and also uh, some kind of stimulus towards business. I think that was yeah, that definitely thing. there was yeah, but it was only small businesses. It was up to like I don't know exactly what the number was, but it was only to a certain like revenue per year. Yeah, I think it was. Like, so I think it was five hundred million, which is well, you know, small medium. Yeah, not, too, not super small, but... Yeah, not about that small, but, uh, Yeah, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I know, it'll be interesting to sort of see what the effects of it are. Um, hey, you know, maybe he'll be happy for his surplus, but he's not going to have it uh, for too much longer, unfortunately, I, I don't think. No, definitely not. But, uh, yeah, but hopefully... Um, yeah, hopefully it means that, uh, you know it's sort of one of those things, maybe it'll be the impetus to sort of say, okay, well, at least now we have an excuse to not be running a budget surplus. We can actually sort of implement proper fiscal policy now and um, kind of do what needs to get done. And, you know, it, we at least have an excuse now because they kind of, again, tie themselves politically with the we've got to be back in black um, sort of stuff, which, you know, and the RBA has been begging them, my God, okay, no one really cares about the, the surplus. Just please spend some money so we don't go into a recession. Yeah, exactly. No one cares about the surplus. Well, it's I mean, silly. I mean, like dumb people do, I suppose, but yeah, I digress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, where did you go to uni, man? Where did I? Yeah. Oh, are you still at uni? Uh, no, no, no. I yeah, I graduated um sort of uh, a little while ago. I I dropped out of a PhD program probably about uh, two years ago now. Wow. Nice work for that. Very yeah. nice. Nice work for failing. Did you get a master? Yeah, yeah, I did. Nice. 
So at least I got that going for me, which is nice. I've just started my second year at QT. Um, I'm doing economics and fi- I'm doing double major in economics and finance. So I'm just hey. starting to like learn the basics of what the fuck is going on. But I've got a long way to go. It never stops. <laughs> it, never, it never does. Exactly right. E- e- every time you think you do know everything, they'll be like, "Oh, there's another book." Yes, exactly. Behavioral economics. There you go. Boom. Wait, what's 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 mm. QT? Sorry, I probably sound like a complete dum dum. Uh it's it, it's in Brisbane. It's Queensland University of Technology. Oh, oh okay. He, well, it's, it's in in Brisbane. He goes to the better version of my university. I go to UQ. Oh, you uh, UQ. Yeah. Are you a bank boy? Oh my goodness. No. I didn't know you guys were okay. I, I didn't know you guys were Queenslanders. <laughs> you guys have killed Tom Hanks. Grr. Oh I know. Rip Tom Hanks. Thank out. God someone had to do it. And they're uh, Yeah, <laughs> not gonna lie. He's just an absolute bludger. Just God damn. Um, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. How dare you? Alright. Uh with that out of the way, I think it's probably time. The the video's been up for a sort of Oh, well, well over half an hour now. So um, let's get into some <laughs> questions. Has anyone, everyone watched the video? Did everyone like the video? Did everyone comment on the video for that YouTube algorithm, please? I like it. There you go. I like it. Enjoy. Thank you. I needed it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully it turns the, uh, the portfolio around for you. Yeah, no, goodness gracious me. Actually, <laughs> I legitimately, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I feel like... Um, yeah, I feel like the uh, like the whole sort of thing around YouTube has been so much more hunkered down. Like uh, they've been really, really monitoring uh, any anybody that mentions anything about coronavirus. They've been like taking videos down and uh, and and certainly demonetizing everything. So it'll be interesting times for uh, YouTube. I don't know what their I don't know what their in game is. I don't know why they care so much. Uh, so they don't want to yeah. be sort of a, a brand of mass hysteria, I suppose. But hmm, who knows? Anyway. Um, Alright, so I suppose the big takeaway from that is we're here to answer questions. So does anyone have any questions? Preferably on the UAE, but look, there's been so much that's gone on this week that I'll keep it pretty open, I suppose. I have a question. Um, When will the oil either A, run out, or B, become pretty much worthless? Uh, Well, that is something that's pure speculation, of course, because... They have lots and lots and lots of oil, like years and years and years worth of reserves. And, and yeah. part of OPEC's sort of strategy was that they kind of artificially limit the supply of their oil. Uh, and that the, the idea was that, okay, we have sort of a set amount of oil and, you know, if we sort of then sell it off over that, say, 100 years as opposed to getting rid of it all in 20 years, then we all make much more money out of it because we kind of artificially hold on to that supply. Uh, between the countries in OPEC, they have sort of the ability to do that, especially since America doesn't really export its oil, it kind of keeps it all internal, and other major you know, oil-producing countries tend to do the same thing. Um, but uh, that, that was kind of their end game. Now, as for when it will actually officially run dry, ah, look, not any time soon. The oil reserves in the nation are so huge that, um, you know, especially at the rate they're drilling it up, it, it's not going to run out any time soon. But, of course, um, it all depends on this very fragile relationship of OPEC, uh, where, you know, we've seen, hey, Saudi Arabia turned around and said, no, nah, we're not really having this OPEC business anymore. We're going to drill as much oil as we possibly can, ship as much as we can, um, just to sort of hurt you guys more so than anything, I suppose, by kind of hurting Same with ourselves. Russia as well. 
Yeah, and uh, you saw what that that had on oil. So I mean, yeah, good for us, I suppose, that want to fill up our cars because now oil's you know, in Australia at least below a dollar a liter, which is which is super fantastic, but potentially uh, pretty bad for um, you know, pretty bad for uh, you know markets around the world, and, and certainly bad for uh, countries that sort of rely on their oil industry, like say the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, I lost fifty bucks on oil. So you said, yeah, OPEC. Um, does that break monopoly rules or something? Because it doesn't sound that like fair, open markety. Yeah, uh, of course, it's one hundred percent monopoly. Um, it is. But the thing is, you know, uh, countries will have monopoly uh, laws, you know, laws on, on fair competition and, uh, and non-collusionary behavior and, and things like that. But uh, these aren't, you know, operating inside a country. They are countries. So they can kind of make the, the rules all the same that they want. Now, if let's say a similar entity existed inside the United States amongst, you know, let's say Exxon and Chevron and... Uh, well, all your or mobile or something like that. I don't know what the major oil companies are in, in um, the states. Yeah, okay, that would definitely be broken up. That would be that would be hit by a by a hammer real hard by the the government. But uh, but these are you know separate and independent states, so they don't really uh, adhere to these sort of anti-competitive laws because, well, you know there, there are no laws that apply to, to countries necessarily. Yeah, national law and international law are very different. Yeah, yeah, that's the sort of very roundabout way of saying what I was trying to say. And, and I have a question. Do you think the electric cars can replace gas cars like uh, in the near future? Um, I would say so. You know, I think it's one of those things that it's come a long, long way and Certainly, the, there's more and more companies coming on board with it now that are delivering cars that are at all sort of price levels and all kind of availability. And as soon as it becomes one of those things where it's just economically viable for people, uh, you know, people will take it. You know, of course, like there's the sort of go-to of, of Tesla, but at the moment, they're still very much a luxury brand. But I think the sort of more exciting cars are the things like the, the Nissan Leafs and things like that, where, sure, they're still relatively expensive, but... Um, they're in that sort of range where you go, oh, well, okay, maybe I could start to consider that, um, which I think will be the big sort of turning point there. And, and it will feed on itself. It's a bit of a chicken and egg, but, um, you know, as they become sort of more and more viable, as, you know, there's more and more charging stations and things like that, uh, I certainly don't see why not. I think, like, for example, I think my next car will probably be an electric car. Mm. Okay, I think we, we have like the capability to replace actually a huge amount of gas, gas cars. For example, I live right, uh, right now in South Korea and they have uh, like uh, electric buses because they need to reduce the smoke in the air. So um, I think uh, it, is uh, it is important like to replace the gas cars, but I think the oil companies uh, wouldn't let that happen. Uh, well, I think it's one of those things where effectively you can kind of cut them out of the, you know, effective supply chain and, well, they don't need to allow it to happen. It's just one of those things. Of course, you know, they can put political pressure on governments and things like that. But uh, at the end of the day, it's still ultimately, um, you know, the decision of 
uh, consumers what they're actually going to purchase and what they're going to sort of patronize, I suppose. In my opinion, I reckon as soon as electric cars can go the same range as oil cars, it's going to be pretty contentious. Yeah, I mean, it will be it'll be one of those things. But eventually, of course, you know, um, it'll probably be one of those things that uh, is... Well, I think it's going to be the economic viability that, that makes them take over. You know, as soon as people can sort of see that, hey, you know, it, it's cheaper to own and operate an electric car, that's what they'll do. Uh, it'll be, you know, sort of that, that, that cost-benefit analysis as well as sort of, you know, obviously uh, electric cars are probably slightly more... Um, hassle to deal with, I suppose. You know, they, they take slightly longer to charge. Their range isn't necessarily as good. So there's probably a little bit of umming and ahhing with that. But, you know, look, I mean, for example, look at look at how uh, widely hybrids have been adopted these days. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they were this weird, you know, there was the Toyota Prius and really nothing else. It was kind of this odd, you know, left a field car that, eh, you know, not many people had. And, you know, now... Well, you know, most sort of um, major consumer cars are offered, you know, with some type of hybrid option. Uh, so I think it's sort of the next logical step. I mean, it's all speculation. Who who really knows, I suppose. Um, but uh, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. And I think they'll slowly become more and more, more and more sort of uh, prevalent. Which will probably be there's bad also, for uh, the UAE, I guess. There's also the question of... Um logistic transport as well because i don't think electric trucks and electric well obviously you can't have an electric ship it's just not worth like it's not viable and, um electric aircraft isn't the thing at all so i think there's still going to be usage of oil but maybe not at the scope the scale that is currently used for um maybe private business or or commercial sort of just everyday traffic but I still think there's going to be a bunch of oil um, burning vehicles. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the other thing is, of course, you know, a lot of power plants and stuff are still relying on, on natural gas or other types of fossil fuels. So uh, effectively, the cycle hasn't moved away from um, fossil fuels as the source of energy. It's just kind of moved it further up the cycle. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, you're right in terms of, you know, automobiles are sort of the first thing that we think of when we think of transport but of course you know there are other major contributors like ships um you know like trains like trucks that probably sort of um kind of have a big and even of... even farm vehicles as well you can't have a you can't have a tractor that is run off electricity because it's just you need the the, the torque from the motor engine to actually drive hydraulics and that sort of thing uh, i'd argue that one i mean i don't know if i, I... This isn't this uh, is an engineering electric. explain, but electric motors have more torque than a diesel engine. Yeah, electric motors have far more torque than diesel motors. Okay, I guess I'm wrong. I'll take that. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 you, know, you know those massive mining trucks? Yeah, they yeah. Use, they use diesel engines to power electric motors for their wheels. Ah, uh, yeah. I suppose yeah, trains too. So, so what, what you're saying is they're effectively the world's, world's biggest Prius, right? Essentially, but it's incredibly inefficient with those giant vehicles. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, that, was a, that was a tangent, but uh, all right. You're not out of memories. Does anyone have a question about that? Please, please, please. <laughs> ha, um, just on like the OPEC, how much 
how much power does the World Trade Organization have to actually punish sovereign states, um, like or cartels like OPEC? Yeah, well, it's one of those things that um, you know these these intergovernment organizations, the UN, the World Trade Organization, the World Bank, and and and, and you know kind of institutions like that. Sort of, it's kind of a give and take. Certainly, they have the power in the sense that you know they can sort of say, hey, you know, don't trade with this person. But if they do that too much, then no one's going to sort of really listen to them. So they have to sort of, uh, within reason, kind of, you know, uh, sort of adhere to the fact that, you know, look, they're still sovereign states. They still effectively make up their own mind. Uh, And I think that's ultimately the kind of path that they've taken. The World Trade Organization isn't there to be a police on trade. It's not there to be the police on, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, cartels like OPEC don't exist or certainly not even there on... Uh, to be the police on, on you know, anti-competitive behaviour. What it's there to do is try and facilitate <coughs> trade. Um, now, hey, anti-competitive behaviour is sort of contrary to their objective of, of facilitating nice, open, fair, equal trade, but they can't really say stop because at the end of the day, they would rather that oil be traded. They would rather that oil be moved around the world and, you know, these countries to get rich and, you know, maybe buy some resources from China or America or, you know, buy their supercars from Italy and Germany and, you know, import engineers from from France and stuff like that Uh, because that's still effectively making the world a wealthier place. Uh, Now, of course, you know, the, the price constraints of oil, yeah, potentially limiting, but it's one of those things where they kind of say, oh, well, you know, what can we do? They're going to continue to do that, and, you know, if we sort of tell them otherwise, they're just going to ignore us, so we'd rather sort of still sort of mediate and be there and be present and sort of not be too cranky at them, uh, so that hopefully they'll listen to us on some other issues, I suppose. Um, so the answer is, and that was a very roundabout way of saying, um, they don't have that much power to do that. Which is, you know, probably sad, but hey, you know, look, it's the it's the price you pay, I suppose. But a good good question though. Uh, it's always interesting these these big organisations that um, they seem very very powerful, but in many many senses they're kind of they're not. I have a uh, maybe too complex of a question, but oh, um, no, it's not that bad. Um, so. Usually when economies or markets tank, uh, you see a lot of people rushing towards bonds, like government treasury bonds. My question is, why hasn't that really happened with the last in the last couple of days? Because I kind of expected that to happen and then nothing really happened. And bonds actually went down the other day. Yeah, so it's one of those things where um, it effectively comes to people look for, for safe havens. Uh, and people want to see something where they can put their money, and it's going to, you know, generate, you know, decent returns, and um, and you know they'll they'll sort of be happy with that, and uh, and that's fine. Now, obviously, if they're pulling it out of stocks, hey, they're going to have to put it somewhere else, and um, you know, potentially it sort of means you know putting it into these sort of lower risk, you know, bond investments or whatever it may be. Um, but the thing is, there's sort of uh, a few things to consider. These kind of Government bonds are effectively tied to, to the cash rate of their economy indirectly. Uh, and of course, you know, with that, there's been the sort of, you know, kind of knee-jerk reaction of most central banks around the world to lower interest rates. So it effectively makes the yields of new bonds less. Um, and existing bonds will, of course, potentially 
potentially more, but that's sort of a weird kind of market and bonds are quite complex in that scenario. Uh, but I think what people are sort of doing is, is it's not necessarily, um, you know, a market that's been driven by um, uh, demand, like crash. Certainly people are sort of a little bit more apprehensive to go out and spend on this, that, or anything else, which is probably driving it. But it's, it's really a supply side crisis that people are sort of fearing. Um, and that and the solution to that is not necessarily bonds. Um, the solution to that is you know having a bit of cash ready so that when supply does become available, you're, you're ready to sort of get in on it. Um, but it's it's one of those issues that yeah, it, it really kind of does boggle the mind. And, and we've sort of seen it that regular sort of safety assets like let me pull up the price of gold. Okay, I have a question. Yeah, the, the price um, of gold has gone down. Uh, yeah, uh, for example, you said that uh, the I want to know, like, where do the people of the UAE got the education? They got it from, from the British, and, and then they could develop, like, uh, the, their country, or um, the, it, it was, like, something that they just uh, have in, in them, themselves, like they have the education from the British. Um, I like, I mean, certainly like pre-colonialism, uh, sure, you know, they, they sort of had some level of education, but I think it was a pretty major investment of their oil wealth that they were able to access sort of, you know, the knowledge of the world. And if that meant kind of importing teachers, you know, hey, so be it, they, they certainly had that. and. Uh, and today, look, I mean, their school system and, and uh, all that is probably nothing to be, nothing to write home about. It's not on the level of, say, like a South Korea or a Singapore or something like that. Um, but it's certainly a lot better than it was during the colonial times. So I don't, I don't really follow. Uh, it, that's a similar sort of question to saying uh, education in America, did they get it from the British? I mean, sure, I guess way back in the day, um, but it doesn't. It's not super relevant to them necessarily at the moment. They're just a you know a regular world uh, economy, and you know they they have their own sort of uh, education system just like any other country does. Oh, I was wondering why did oil crash so badly? Because uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, a lot of the other OPEC countries, oh, and Russia uh, as well, have been sort of going back and forth, and you know sort of fighting about you know how how much they should supply and things like that, and I think the, the COVID crisis kind of um, sort of amped up those sort of tensions to the point where uh, Saudi Arabia sort of said, look, um, we see a, a massive issue where potentially our oil is not going to be demanded very much um, in, in the upcoming months because, you know, all these factories are shutting down and, you know, we kind of just want to get it out so we have a bit of cash on hand and what are we going to do is we're just going to pump as much as we can and we're going to flood the market um and you know what we encourage everyone to basically do the same it was kind of a you know it's kind of a fuck you opec um because that's literally the opposite of what they try to do in the sense that they try to make sure that everyone's you know happy and kind of controlling their oil supply a little bit more closely <clears throat> sorry um and that kind of falling apart i suppose of opec sort of led to this world uh it's like you know how de beers has a a, a monopoly on on the diamond market if you were investing in diamonds and then um, De Beers sort of said, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, maybe I am. Um, and then De Beers sort of said, oh, well, look, we're actually going to flood the market with diamonds. You'd be like, holy shit, i got to sell my, my diamonds. And that's effectively what happened. 
Uh, it was an artificially kind of controlled supply of these products. And they sort of turned around and said, oh, well, we're not controlling our supply anymore, which, you know, the demand kind of stays the same, which means the other only other part of that equation is the price, and the price fell. The price fell pretty dramatically because people were really worried about what that would mean. And I suppose, um, I you know, on top of that, of course, the actual fact that, um, you know, all these factories are shutting down, people aren't going out on the roads anymore, aircraft, are, a lot of aircraft have been grounded, means that the, the demand for oil is probably going to dry up pretty pretty quickly as well. Yeah, that could be bad with all the flight bans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's sort of one of those things, you know, um, relatively prices of things are, are really, really dependent on um, on their supply chains. And, and even if, like, you know, demand drops by 2% for oil, uh, it can have a much, much larger impact on the actual price of oil as people basically effectively fight with their price to, you know, get that little bit of extra demand or, or keep their quantities the same. It's uh, it's kind of going to be rough times for, for oil-producing countries in this next year, I think. But, I don't know, try not to feel too bad for them. I'm sure they're still going to have all of their Lamborghinis. One hour ago, oil prices crater to um six percent after Trump bans travel from Europe. Ugh. What was that? Uh, oil futures. Oil prices crater um more than six percent after Trump bans travel from Europe. Oof, yeah, poor, poor, poor oil investors. That's just what they needed. But I mean, I think uh, probably one of those sensible decisions. I don't know, I would be interested to sort of hear your thoughts because, like, um, i, I got to say, I think I was very much of the opinion that, ah, oh, man, it's just going to be a bad flu, everyone will kind of get over it, but it doesn't seem like it's going that way anymore, so I might be made the fool, um, and I don't think it's it's necessarily going to be something like the Spanish flu, but I feel like it might have um, sort of more of a ramification on uh, on the wider economy, so I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts there. I don't know, let, let's open it up for wild speculation. I, I I personally thought it was just going to blow over in a couple of weeks because it was going to like stay in China. It was just going to cause some damage there and it'd be fine. But then like it went to like Iran and, or Italy and it was like, how are they, how's it getting to these places? I wasn't sure. Like how are these people with coronavirus moving around so much? Yeah. Aircraft. Yeah, aircraft. I mean, it, it, we live in a very, very sort of globalized time, I suppose. Um, people travel a lot for work and pleasure and, you know, family and, and stuff like that. And I think that's, that's really worrying them is it's all sort of asymptomatic. So people don't really recognize that they have it. Yeah, the incubation period being like 14 days. It's like, and, you know, you have like some cold symptoms for a couple of days and it gets a bit worse and a bit worse. And then finally, it's like, oh shit, I'm dying. Yeah, oh shit indeed. But I think, um, I don't know, it's, it's one of these really rough things. It'll be interesting for the 2016 election as well, because I feel like uh, healthcare is going to be the major sort of topic of debate. And of course, you know, um, well, whoever gets the, the Democratic sort of nomination, whether it be Sanders or, or Biden, obviously they have sort of, uh, plans for, for healthcare and, and sort of what that would mean. Um, and that might be one of those things that really comes to the forefront for a few reasons. Like one, obviously, it, you know, intensive care, like what you're bound to see with coronavirus can 
probably bankrupt a lot of people out there. Um, and I think another one is is they have a very casualized workforce that probably can't afford necessarily to to, to miss those fourteen days of work. Uh, so I feel like it it'll probably be like worse if anything in the United States. But I think that's probably common common sort of um, perception. I think it's pretty common like speculation. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, my God. Maybe it's all sort of uh, the typical kind of fear-mongering. Maybe I'm sort of falling into the trap. Next thing you know, I'll be selling all of my shares and putting it all into baked beans and toilet paper futures. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard it is very bad, the, the situation, like, with the toilet paper in Australia. Yeah, oh, it's, no, it's so hilarious. Bad. It is actually hilarious. I went to the, went to the um, supermarket the other day, and it was like bare bone toilet paper. It was like one roll left. It's like it's like a I don't know communist like Venezuela or something. <laughs> but I don't get like you don't need that much toilet. But people don't understand how much toilet paper they use. Like you don't go through that much toilet paper. No, no. No, no. Stock up on like ninety-six rolls of the stuff. We actually like my my partner is uh, very, very much sort of freaking out about this, and she's she's definitely uh, committing to the problem in our in our living room right now. There's like this this you know those um, pyramids of like canned food that like uh, supermarkets will sometimes make to make their products more <laughs> enticing. It's presumably like yeah. that. It's stacked like a meter high just with toilet paper. I was like, oh, all right. That's uh, uh... <laughs> oh. Like, what you call it? You, you go through, like, a 24-pack of toilet paper over, like, three or four months. It's like, you don't need that much. It's people blowing it way out of proportion. If I was into wild speculation, this is what I would say. Look, obviously, people are really, really stocked up on toilet paper, but it's a non-perishable good. And I think, look, uh, if it blows over or if it doesn't blow over, one or, one or two things are going to happen. Let's say, hypothetically, it blows over, which is probably, you know, Let's say the more likely outcome eventually, you know, people will forget about it and we'll be on to the next big thing. Uh, not to say that it won't be serious, but we'll get over it, I guess. Um, people will still have all of this toilet paper, which means a demand for, uh, you know, uh, Kleenex in, uh, you know, four months' time will probably tank. I, think, yeah. I feel like it would be a good time. I don't even know. What, what's the company that makes it? I feel like it's Unilever, though, which sort of has enough, like, diversification that it's not really... Um, sort of directly exposed to the toilet paper market. But I feel like it would be a good opportunity to short. Because think, in, in, in four months' time, demand's either going to fall or in four months' time, uh, the world's going to be in quarantine and, and we're going to be like in, in the midst of like this this huge uh, economic and, and health catastrophe, in which case the, the price of that will probably fall anyway. So there you go, smart plays. Um, you heard, hey, yeah, you, sell you heard your stocks it. now. Yeah, yeah. Short, short whatever makes toilet paper right now. Short it. Investment advice from from Economics Explained. Oh my god, I'm definitely gonna get sued. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the uh, I'm pretty sure the U.S. market's just frozen everything because it's dropped more than seven percent. Uh, the U.S. market's not trading at the moment, is it? Yeah, it is. Oh boy, <laughs> let's look at it. Is it only? It would have yeah, it's, just it's, opened. It's nothing. Yeah, no, it, uh, they had daylight rubs his hands. So. They had daylight savings, so it's moved oh. an hour towards us. My goodness gracious like me. 7 or some shit. 
Yeah, so they would have hit the circuit breaker. Look at that, yeah, boys. We are open in 50 minutes. We are literally What's the, uh, witnessing history. The, I think it's if it hits 20% in a day, it's shut for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. They'll open it again, and if it gets to 13%, it will close for an hour, I believe. And then it's like the pass. Oh, it's like the pass lock on your phone. Like the more failed attempts, it's like no. <laughs> like even gold's dropping. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Really, Everyone like, sells their gold to try and make up for the um the losses. I think that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, it's still dropping. I'm watching it. Oh no. There's really no safe haven investment anymore, unfortunately. I think um it's just uh you know one of those things that I think like uh, twenty year treasury bills are up. It's just like oh my god, just put my put my money away for for a huge amount of time. They're not it's though. Got, That's the thing. Gold's dropped like three percent. Uh. Oh, drop a three percent's okay. That's not that bad. Yeah, but it's been like fifty minutes. Yeah, I know. No, it's only been uh, no, it's only been 10, 15 minutes. Oh, it's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So, how long does it stay closed for? Fifteen minutes. I think. Oh, uh, seven minutes or fifteen. I can't remember. No, if it drops seven percent, it closes for fifteen minutes. All right, all right. Like, forget the yeah. forget the okay. Q and A. We're just like we're we're live watching this. This is. Legitimately history. Like, this is 2008 right here. You will remember where you were. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Don't say that. You'll, Should you'll I sell it all? What do I do? I can do it now. Just, it's at my fingertips. No, 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 no. I'm actually, uh, like, to be honest, like, it sounds terrible. Like, because I've got a lot of money invested into the markets, but I'm very much a long-term uh, investment, investor. Um, but I have, like, a pretty large sizable cash inflow coming in the in the not too distant future i'm like yes drop drop my sweet yeah <laughs> that's a bit sinister <laughs> and then as soon as I'm i as soon as i as soon as i put that in it's like you know uh you can you can you can watch it you know, drop perk, some more you can perk back up again please yeah well, yeah i'm i'm stashing away a bunch of money right now to just buy up everything when it hits its lows yeah, we're in Nasdaq's drop seven. Oh, we're, so, we're we're now well and truly below like um one year's worth of uh yeah one year's worth of gains. Oh shit! One year's worth <laughs> of what? One year's gains. worth of what? Gains. Yeah, gains. We're around. Uh, we're around sort of like in mid two thousand seventeen. So we've kind of wiped out uh, three years worth of gains, I suppose, or just under. I think it'll probably come back to maybe just a year. I don't mean to be ignorant here, but what do you mean by gains? Oh, uh, so the, the S&P 500, which is the general sort of market that I kind of look at, the 500 biggest companies in America, um, they use points basically to, to represent the collective value of all of those companies. Um, so... At the moment, after a very huge drop at opening, it lost 7% of its value. It's down to 2,550 points. And that was similar to the price that it was trading for in mid-2017. The general assumption is that index funds particularly kind of generally rise over time. Uh, so when you say you've lost like two and a half years worth of progress, it means that you're at the price that you were at two and a half years ago. Uh, for reference, 
Um, it's it's now at two thousand five hundred. At sort of early this year, we were at three thousand three hundred. So it's lost, you know, um, yeah, close on forty. Oh, not 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 quite. So close on thirty percent of its value at the moment, which is huge because this is literally the five hundred biggest companies in in the United States. So pretty massive. Yeah, I follow. So I don't mean to like take it off topic or anything, but um, so I've gotten into a lot of debates with um, commies, if you will, and I, I I'm I'm wondering what's your thoughts on like the difference the 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 differences between um, a capitalist society or a socialist or communist society, and which one would you prefer to to use? Uh, so I think it's one of those things, it's the age-old question, right? Um, mm-hmm. What is it, like, what's, what's it going to be? What's the best sort of system? And, and who am I necessarily to say over anyone else? It, it, it's all sort of down to your belief system, I suppose. Um, now, personally, of course, I sort of prefer, um, you know, a capitalist-based market economy that has, you know, sort of influence. It's, it's all about sort of not realising that none of the extremes necessarily work. Uh, a pure capitalist economy would just be terrible. It would be actual chaos. It wouldn't. It wouldn't function. Um, and then, of course, you know, we've sort of seen, you know, things like communist nations that, um, you know, have this these this idealist sort of dream of this workers' paradise that never actually sort of eventuates. And you know, you still sort of see corruption and stuff like that inbuilt. And what really needs to be done is um, you need to have a good idea of what governments are really good at doing and what private enterprise is really good at doing private enterprise is really good at delivering things like consumables food you know um you know general commodities products uh it's really really good at delivering things like you know travel and services it's, it's really good at doing a lot of things like that things that are very very exchangeable so if you're buying a phone it's like i will buy this product and i pay x amount of dollars um they're good at sort of trading things that are sort of very tangible and they're good at changing trading things that are very exclusive you know if i buy a phone from apple it is my phone um no one else can have it it's all mine it's my property now now governments are kind of good at doing the opposite thing where it's sort of they're good at trading public goods things like roads and you know safety and public defense and stuff like that uh things where you know let's say i can buy a street lamp but there's no particular way of me saying, oh, okay, I own this street lamp now. You can't enjoy the light of it because uh, it's not excludable. And that's sort of where it kind of draws the line. So um, yeah. it's kind of a cop-out answer to it, but it's really the only answer to it. You just need to realize that there's no such thing as pure communism, no such thing as pure capitalism. It's all about where you draw the lines. And I think uh, where I draw the lines is, you need to understand what you do best. Governments should stick to what governments do well and private enterprise should stick to what private enterprise does well. Uh, and I tend to sort of be more kind of left-leaning there. We, we governments should control a good majority of stuff, you know, healthcare, uh, certainly essential services. They should control things like prison, education, you know, uh, things like electrical grids, water, sewerage, all of that kind of utilitarian stuff. Um, but they certainly shouldn't be getting into things like, you know, uh, producing iPhones. Exactly. They they should yeah. know where to draw the line. Yeah. Um. 
Abia, uh, Abhay on so, the, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, one of the, one of my arguments that I've always had against, uh, communism or socialism, um, uh, we know what a monopoly is and why it's bad. It basically takes over the majority of a market and then it can do whatever it wants and screw over the end user. Um, so my argument uh, against communism and, and uh, socialism is that uh, it's basically a state taking over the means of productions and, and goods and services. Therefore, it's the uh, perfectly complete monopoly. Therefore, it's good for no one except for the people at the top. And that's my argument one. And then argument two is they can't even uh, manage the resource called money. Therefore, they're not going to be able to manage the resources of the nation. Yeah, mm. but I think what you sort of fail to realize is, is that, yeah, if governments get into private industry, they tend to suck real bad. Um, but uh, the, the big takeaway is that they shouldn't be in certain industries. And there are certain industries that private enterprise just doesn't do well. It just prisons. Yeah, exactly. Pri yeah, prisons. Prisons yeah. are a great they example do not of it. Do prisons well? Mm -mm. Yeah, roadways yeah, are, are another big yeah, one. Like, it, the assumption that they don't do prisons well is just an assertion. I, I, I don't, I don't see what you're backing that up with. What you mean, private industries doing? Um, yeah, why, why yeah. wouldn't why wouldn't private industry be able to do prisons well? Well, they can, but historically they haven't done private prisons very well and they haven't been very humane i mean if you look at the fact that excuse me you think that public that public uh, prisons have been more humane than private ones yeah well they, they no, don't good. monetize people so yeah they don't make them capital okay uh, okay so what what was forced labor camps i mean what what is forced labor camps? We still have that. Yeah, but today. people don't right, think yeah. that forced labor camps are good. No, but but you're asserting that private actors cannot operate more humanely than, than public actors. Precisely, because what happens is every single uh, prisoner that gets put into prison is more money flowing into their, their back pocket at a huge profit margin, and on top of that, they're using a lot of that money to lobby to keep the um, things that they're doing illegal, which shouldn't be illegal, and having a high population of, uh, I think it's like 67% of marijuana smokers and, and basic drug uh, uh, offenses in jail, it, it just seems stupid. It, it creates a, 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 a uh, human cattle at that point. Yeah, and I I'm, sure there also, I'm sure there are better examples what the government you don't think is. this is an issue caused by 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 the institution of public law? Like the, the whole reason that you can have these laws that put people in prison for things that make no bloody sense is because there's a monopoly on law. The state has a monopoly on it. If if there wasn't a monopoly on, on law, then you know what why would you pay to put him in prison? Privatized parliament. Oh God! Oh, the uh, oh, God. the Dow Jones just reopened. Yeah, yeah. So the S and P five hundred. It's dropped a uh, it's dropped it's three dropped. more percent. My God. Yeah. God. S and P five hundred dropped to one percent. Yep. Fuck. Uh, but yeah, I think the private prison argument is is really and I think look, my favorite one is roads. 
Uh, a lot of the, t the the things where you, we're talking to uh, people, like the classic Ayn Rand kind of hardcore capitalists, they'll say, you know what, we'll have private roads, private schools, private prisons. No worries, it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, and that will be run more efficiently because of the market, you know, and the, the market. It's just, it's just inherently more efficient. But Rhodes is my big takeaway with this. So most capitalists and, and most sort of free market economists uh, and most people that sort of think in this way agree that competition is good, right? I think mm -hmm. that's pretty, you know, pretty fair sort of assertion to make. But the thing with Rhodes is, is ultimately there's a limitation on how many roads that you can have that do the same thing before they become hopelessly redundant. So if you want to have, let's say you have a toll road between where I live uh, and the city. You know, I'm sort of about half an hour's drive from, from here to the city. Well, okay, let's say there's, there's road company X makes a new toll road, invests about, you know, uh, $2 billion into building this lovely new road between my home and the city. And, and I take that and, you know, they charge $10 a day, but then they realize, oh, hang on, we're the only road here. Well, we'll charge you $50 a day. And then sixty dollars a day, and then a hundred dollars a day, because well, hey, you need to get to work, and we're the only we're the only instance of a company that exists here to do that. And they'll go, oh, well, you know, all right, well, fuck, I've got to get to work, I suppose, so I'll pay it, and you know, hey, maybe like half of my wages goes to actually getting to work, but I can't walk to work, and unfortunately, my employer doesn't let me work from home. But hey, gee, wouldn't it be nice if another company opened up to give these these people some competition? And maybe they do. Maybe some other business says, well, look. You know, Mega Road Corporation X is able to charge all of these people $100 a day to use their road. and only costs them $2 billion. Their returns are fantastic. I'm going to build a road right next to it. And hey, you know, okay, maybe you sort of form a little bit of an oligopoly and maybe it reduces prices a bit, but then they sort of say, well, you know, effectively we're still there. And, and really to have a proper kind of uh, competing market, you probably need at least sort of four or five participants. So what's that going to mean? That you have four or five different roadways sort of stacked up one next to the other? Well, that's taking five times as much land. It's taken five times as much infrastructure. It's taken five times as much planning and development. It'll cause, you know, sort of five times as much uh, issues with, you know, having to rebuild them in, in, in X amount of time. Um, and it's just one of those things where, well, look, if we all agreed that, hey, we'll just buy a road collectively with our tax dollars, put our money towards it, and fantastic, no worries. Uh, we have one road, it's taken, you know, one-fifth the amount of land, it takes one-fifth the amount of upkeep, and it effectively does the same thing. Isn't that a better outcome than what a private industry could facilitate in that time? I mean... But this is also making some assumptions that are probably fallacious, right? Like, you're like very... First of all, you're, like, by saying that it's going to take a fifth of the, you assume that these five different road providers are going to be building five roads that are going to have to be the same size as the one that you'll build if, if it's only one. Okay, like, but if I wanted to... I mean, no, I five said, different providers, maybe you only have one lane on, on each. Yeah, but if, Maybe if, you have two, but you definitely I, don't have eight. But if I wanted to have uh, a nice, open, clean roadway, it's a highway grade, uh, effectively, you know, if the, these these people would want to make sure that they could facilitate, you know, their their the representative demand, uh, and effectively they would you would sort of realise and and hopefully that you can sort of admit that um, it would take a lot more land and it would take a lot more resources to buy build five independent different sort of roads. No, I, I I don't see that being the case. Though. You okay. you could have 
for, for one, you can have multiple different road roads that go to the same destination. For example, let's say that you want to go to the, like the reason that the highway is there is because you need to pass a city. But you might have one that goes through the city. You might have one that goes left around the city, one that goes right around the city, or one that goes below the city. You're also not taking into account the substitutes for roads. Yeah. So it, it might be the case that the road is, for example, being used to transport goods from um, a port where you're getting resources in production to an industrial area. So you might have somebody who sets up a train route. Yeah, um, and that, that, that actually sort of furthers my point. Might that... Some of the people that use the road to uh, be transported from an airport to uh, the center of the city. So you might have somebody who, who creates uh, a metro or um, a light rail that goes from the airport into the city. Uh, it, like there, there's there's many substitutes for, for a road as well, right? Well, and that's, uh, that's probably another point too. Um, yeah, sure, of course, there's, there's substitutes, but I don't know if that necessarily discredits the fact that we still have five roads that effectively do the same thing if we want to have competition to control price. Uh, that's the other thing as well. Let's, let's, let's say... They're not in the same thing, right? Well, if I want a road... They're not even necessarily going next to each other. If I wanted a road that takes me from my house to the Sydney CBD, okay, that's 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 it you know that there's a road that goes from point a to point b sure there are other roads out there um but i don't want to get to the airport i don't want to get to the port i don't want to get around the city i want to get into the city uh now if that's my only option then effectively they have monopolistic control over that instance uh, so i would have to pay it and now unless another road provider provides exactly the same route well then you know either i'm sort of stuck paying to to take that route in my car or does it have to be the same does it have to be the same route? Could it not, for example, be a ring road where you're taking a, a path into the city that goes, you know, slight detour where it takes five minutes extra? Okay, but like, still... does it have to be right next? To... But then it takes five minutes extra. Effectively, and then you'd rather take the road, the other road. And effectively, it does the same thing. No, I that, mean, that, if, that... if one road, if the ring road takes uh, takes five minutes extra and you're paying five dollars, and the other one costs fifty dollars, which one are you going to take? But that ring road is still an extra road. Even though they might not be right next to each other, it's still taken up extra land that has to be demarcated and, you know, put put a road through it um, that effectively could have It's also that. a waste. Why is it a waste? Maybe it's serving well, other purposes. Hang on, if you're going to have, like, three different separate roads built by separate companies next to each other and occupying the same space, Can we it's, that's, it's that's not what we're talking about. Not a good use of resources. But again, that's not what we're talking about. We're There's, talking okay, about two I've different first-hand example of the this same, sort of thing happening same. with train lines. In the Philipp in the capital of the Philippines, in Manila, there are like three different train lines run by three different companies. Now, if you want to get from one part end of the city to the other, you have to get off. You have to get on and off three different trains run by three different companies. You have to pay three different fares. It just doesn't make sense from a, from a, I mean, it works from a business perspective, I think for the, for the companies, but it just doesn't work if you want to get from one part of the city to the other, it just doesn't work. It's more efficient if it's centralized. In Moscow and Paris, you have roads that lead through Poland and if traffic, uh, heavy commercial traffic is supposed to take place, it's on public autobahns or like highways that are managed by the uh, Polish government. And this is the only efficient way so that everybody cooperates. 
tolls are high, but there is no competition between them because it's state-run. One thing yeah, people I just... always forget is the people and places <clears throat> where it will not be financially sound to build roads to who will get fucked over. Fucked over. Yeah, like I, I just don't accept this argument. If it, like, let's take a, you know when rail, um, for example, in the UK, when rail started being built there, it was it wasn't just a few uh, a few railways that you have ac had had access to. You, you could take many different routes. Like there, actually, let me find a map of it so you can see. Mm. Well, it's, if you have to pay to. The railroad, and who's screwing over whom? Uh, I think in areas where it would be less profitable um, to build a road, as someone was mentioning earlier, they wouldn't like. So, say rural people wouldn't have access to a road because the company's not going to actually make any profit. Hey, creators! Right. It'd be the same thing with like a private, a private post company, like. With like Australia Post, it's like one dollar, I think, to send a letter anywhere in Australia. Mm -hmm. But if it was private, why would they even facilitate sending it to, I don't know, say a country why, town? Why would you facilitate inefficient letters? Well, because people still That'll need to communicate, point. right? If they're living, yeah, people people need to send their shit across the country. If they're living ten hours of drive from the nearest city, yeah, but why shouldn't they bear the cost of that? Because that's that that is not a humane way to live. I don't. Human. Like, like, it doesn't help. It doesn't and, help and, anything for a government from and, a government and, perspective. And mail mail provides a a public good in a sense. Um, now, look, obviously, in the age of email and things like that, it might be sort of one of those things where you can go, yeah, you know, but they can just email and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, may, be, be that as it may, it might be true. But let's say... Um, How is it a... you, Let's say... Let me explain. Um, let's say there is a remote community in Australia, a mining town. You know, that exists. There's plenty of those around. And certainly, to get a piece of mail to them for a for dollar you're probably not going to be making a profit on that because it's very remote, there's not very many people there, you're probably going to be sending 12 letters in, in a van um, and that's going to be very, very expensive because uh, it's a small population and it's very, very remote. Now, that being said, there's still a wider public good to have people be able to receive those letters. They might be able to get things like bills, they might be able to sign off on documents that they might have to and that town is still providing a good it is still sort of mining stuff and you know shipping it back so it's sort of increasing the wealth of a society but if you know people like that can't get their mail if people like that can't you know get their electricity bill in the mail or you know get their health check or whatever it is kind of shit that you get in the mail these days um and you know obviously sort of particularly more so more important before the age of emails well then that's not really a win-win if a private company then sort of says okay well we're going to do one of two things we're either going to charge $20 a letter to get that mail to this region. It's going to make living in that region more expensive. It's going to mean that most people are going to want to work in mines. It's going to mean that, you know, hey, companies might have to pay people because of the increased cost of living and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the net public good of that is, is sort of ultimately negative. What it's better for a, a government to do that's looking after a wider national economy is to say, you know what? 
This particular transaction doesn't make sense for a private enterprise to do, whether it be delivering mail or providing roadways for you know individuals and institutions to to you know run their goods on. Uh, you know that doesn't doesn't necessarily make sense uh, economically and financially. We're not going to make a profit on this, but it's a good step for the overall economy, and that's the kind of decisions that governments are there to make. They're not there to make a profit. They're there to increase overall prosperity. Uh, and that's sort of where you draw the line. Now, as soon as they start moving into these industries where it's like, oh, are we making a profit or are we not? Well, that's where it gets a bit sort of superficial, and I think that's where the government should draw the line. Um, but ultimately, that is, that's the role of good government, to provide sort of public goods. No, I, I would say that um, if, if the market is not willing to provide it, it means that uh, it's, not, it's not actually providing... Um, the, um, like if, if someone's not willing to deliver mail, to some remote region in Istanbul. It, it means that it's not worth it for, uh, for a company to do that, right? So why, why, would, why would that change just because you're making government do it? Well, yeah, especially if you on a farm in the middle of nowhere, you still have to farm and people still need your stuff. Yeah, by doing that, you just raise the price of the other person's good. No one wants that. Yeah, but... Even if somebody would have to still have to pay the taxes, so it wouldn't make a difference. No, I'll use the classic no, example. Spread. I'll use the classic example. Look, uh, letters and roadways and stuff like that. Look, there are examples of you know private delivery courier companies and toll roads and things like that. So there are private equivalents of these public goods. But let's take the most classic example, which is a street light. Okay, should. Governments or private enterprises provide streetlights. That was a yeah, question. That was a question pretty much directed at you, Matthias. The private sector, obviously. Okay, excellent. I'm glad you sort of said that because here's here's the thing with with streetlights, right? Um, there's streetlights in front of my building, and they they do good. Um, you know, they illuminate the road, it makes it safer to, to walk at night, it makes it safer to drive at night, it helps people navigate and, you know, it illuminates sort of areas that might be landmarks for, for this, that or anything else. You know, they're, they're good. But how do you make money off a street light? As a, the road. As, a, as a private enterprise. Well, the, the private operator of the road would decide whether it's um, whether it's uh, you know profitable for them to to have uh, streetlights on the road. Okay, also but let's. Neighbors, if if it if it's not, then um, you you can you can still be safe if uh, like let's say you're walking on the road, just just um, bring a flashlight. Right. So it, it ends up to them. Okay, so you're, not everyone can buy a flashlight. You're also making the assumption that this is a private road. Let's say, for example, it's not your perfect world. It's a public road, or it's a public road, or it's a or it's a public area. I don't know what. I mean, I, I, I don't know what the point of that is. Well, because you can't. You can't. You're really... asking should, right? You're asking a normative question, and then you. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, well, the, the problem with this then is um, that there's no real way to exclude people from the light. Now, there's no way that you can kind of say, well, "Hey, you, you, them out. you haven't you haven't paid um, you haven't paid for uh, this." 
you haven't like, sort what of... What do you mean you can exclude people from an area? Of course you can exclude people from an area. How would you There's enforce if area. somebody does not yeah. But, quote unquote privatized, right? Are you gonna pay? Are you gonna pay for a security guard under every single street light to enforce? No, you don't have to have a security guard on every corner. Well, so you're gonna have a, a blackout curtain? What? What about Because that, because having to stop people from getting the light, the street Nobody light. Nobody cares of like the sun. The yeah, you're not. But, but like you're not gonna. That's nobody the point. cares if the lantern like shines a one lumen on your property, then you, then they're gonna be like, yeah, you have to pay me for this. Well, that's the thing. They're still providing ultimately a good, uh, right? They're they're still sort of doing that. And the thing is, yeah, no one, no one, no one would pay for that street light because why would I pay for it? I can just why get not? it for free. No, because you get kicked off if you don't pay. Where do you kick? Where do you get kicked out to? What? The darkness. The ocean. Relative to the streetlight. Okay, so I think the big point that I'm trying to make here is, sure, you can argue indefinitely about these bizarre hypotheticals where we have street, you know, guards at private, private military on on every corner to kick people out into this, you know, X Y Z zone that that that's their own private property and they can't go anywhere without. But you Sounds can see like the, cyberpunk. You can see the absurdity of it, right? It just doesn't make sense. You're gonna get crazy, and you get yourself so convoluted in this argument of, oh yeah, but, 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 but. It just there are some things that governments do well, and there are some things that private enterprise do well. To say that governments do everything better than everything else, and they should be in control of everything, is just as absurd as saying that private enterprise should be in control of everything as well. The reality is that. Governments do some things well. Private enterprise does some things well. It's up to good, you know, economic theory to know where to draw that line. And you know, look, realistically, most arguments between rational economists is sort of where in the middle that line is drawn. Um, you know, hey, some people put it a little bit more on the left, some people put it on a little bit more on the right. But no well-respected economist in the world today is going to say that we put it all the way to the left and governments do everything, just in the same way that no well-respected economist is going to say we put it all on the right. And, and private enterprise does everything because you get you just get absurd scenarios like like the one we just explored there. They kick them out to the to the darkness. Like, come on. Is that a word? I, I don't think that's the only option. You cannot. You you don't the, you don't actually have to put uh, private security on these roads. Like, so what? There's some free there's some freeloaders. Like, what 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 does that matter? If it's not costing, um, why doesn't everyone freeload? Yeah, because why wouldn't everyone freeload then? Because um, if because if, if a com if a if a if a company, for example, is is transporting something during the night, if they want to have light on the street, they'll pay for it regardless of whether there's freeloaders or not. But but a company is profit driven, right? So if it can freeload, it should freeload. So what? Yeah, but it can. It, it can't if it if it wants those lights, it's gonna have to pay for them. Yeah, but we're saying this is this is a public road, so they're free to use that. Um, but that, that that's an assumption already that you're making there that wouldn't necessarily be true in the society that we're talking. Th this about. is Why? his world, not your you're world. Making an assumption that it's Hold not on. private. Hold on, Mathis. Why yeah, would the company? That it's public for some reason. Why would the company pay for lights when they could just buy their own lights? 
And 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 let's say it's not a huh? street light. Let's say it's a light in the middle of a, a public area. You know, just a let's say a you know a train station or a public walkway or a public park or something oh, like that. It's just a it's just a generic but area. Again, you're again you're assuming that there would be public property. You're, you're saying, oh, we we need government to to regulate uh, uh, public spaces because otherwise we get tragedy of the commons. And I'm saying, don't have public property. That's how you solve tragedy of the commons. Like, so I, I, I don't see what this argument is. So are you, you, right, you are as you, an individual you would make... not be able to travel anywhere without somehow paying for it. You wouldn't be able to walk out of your, you know, walk off your own property no, without you, paying for it. No, of course, of course, there would be situations where, where you can just freeload. Right. Okay. And but what is the problem with that? Because then everyone's going to freeload. Yeah. Like, let, let's say let's say we have we have a road uh, like there there's a big city then there's an, an area like a town outside of the city where you have these that uh, you know operating supermarkets and hardware stores and whatever and they want clients to be able to come to this town so that they can buy their products so they build a road like th this is how the first roads in the U.S. for example were built. They were built by companies in these small towns that wanted more clients. And they, they didn't care whether there was freeloaders because the freeloaders, uh, they, they often came and bought stuff from their stores. Yeah. Yes, well, so were, these ro were these roads toll roads? No. Like it, it's the same thing as, as companies. Let, let's, let's take YouTube because you're a YouTuber, right? Like there's a bunch of, of freeloaders uh, on, on YouTube that, that go around and watch content but it benefits you because when they're freeloading, they get exposed, for example, to the ads on YouTube. And when they get exposed to those ads, it ends up profiting you. But, but that's saying build the road the cost of, uh, of a lot of uh, billboards. Put ads on yeah, there, there's lots of, like another example is radio, right? Ra radio is, is actually, uh, I think a good example of this because you can't you can't exclude people from listening to the radio. So the the way that that you're um, making this free service make sense is free service with something that that's uh, um, that's imposing a cost to the people that are list, listening to the uh, to the radio in the form of ad or ads. So it, by listening right. to the app, they they um, the the ra the radio companies make money. And um, that that pays for those that's be, that's being given to you. They're still okay, like okay. paying dude, for their dude. time, like for watching out. Yeah, that's not real. Where, where do you where do you draw the line for the free market, Mathis? Matthias sort of. Like uh, I, 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 I don't think I don't think there should be any state. So do you think slavery should be legal? No, no. Look, this is yeah. That's who entirely separate. Then we then we have military then we, police. Then do we then need we a have government to get of in. some sort? Maybe. <laughs> no. Private. No. Then then we have to get into uh, the concept of private law and polycentric enforcement of law. Yeah, but then some if, companies if, if might not want, want to. If, yeah, if you well, want one company doesn't recognize want... that law. Oh well, they don't follow it. If if. Yeah, it isn't slaves are economically viable. Hey, 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 guys, 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 guys. I don't, I, I don't personally uh, agree with Matthias, but it is still uh, an opinion that he's 
defending valiantly and and sort of having a good discussion with you you shouldn't laugh at him if you want a historical example you can go and read about the republic of genoa where there was polycentric law there was more than 200 different courts in the republic of genoa and it worked fine for more than 500 years yes but the system has to scale it has to scale beyond that example and it does not it's only private like that's uh, just an assertion Genoa is a small city-state. Right? And state government. Ooh, Why does the federal government state. exist if there is our state governments? Well, maybe we shouldn't have giant nation-states. Are you admitting Would... that it doesn't scale, or what is going on? But that, that's, that's an assertion. I, I don't think that's true. But So the federal government is useless, then? No, I'm just saying that uh, it's not as good as the alternative, which um, is, is having smaller societies. That's an assertion. 50 laws. Yeah, it's an assertion too, but it's, ba it's based on historical examples. And it's also based on... all now failed. He does, he does have a point. 